This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome back to Talking It Out with Bastard Nation, everyone. We have an amazing show for you today. We have the man of the hour, The Bachelor. Clayton is here. And Mike, the conversation is so good that we're going to split this up into two parts. So what we're going to get into now is hot takes, followed by part one of this fabulous interview with Clayton. Let's do it. Only three episodes in. We already got this drama. So let's do it with the hot takes. Seriously, tons of drama. And I want to start with that drama and specifically Shanae. She is clearly the villain now that Cassidy has exited uh, stage left um, after getting the rose taken back. And Shanae, I just feel like it's not only Shanae, but I feel like a lot of people nowadays in society have it's, it's become really alarming at how many people use the word bully in the wrong context. Like, mm-hmm. I actually looked up the definition and the dictionary describes it as a person who is habitually cruel to others. It also says a bully is a tormentor who has an imbalance of power and uses this behavior towards others on a constant basis. Like, I, I, unless there's something that we didn't see, Mike... Based on everything that I saw uh, on the television screen last night, I mean, Shanae, that's the wrong context. Like, I feel if you did a poll of the women in the house, none of them would say that Elizabeth was being a bully. And I just feel like people like Shanae throw the word around, you know, all willy nilly, and they don't realize the weight that that word has. It's like it's a that's a serious accusation. You know what I'm saying? When you call somebody a bully and she used words like toxic and all that. And I just feel like it could be insulting to people that are actually being bullied, you know, and, and disclaimer, like, like disclaimer, you know, there are, you know, I just want to give uh, credence and, and, a, and a shout out to all those people that are going through actual bullying, you know what I mean? And going through tough times, like we know nobody wants to see that, right? But it just, like I said, it feels a little insulting when somebody who really isn't getting bullied calls somebody a bully. What do you think? Uh, I love the fact that you said it's insulting because, you know, what Shanae could do is simply say, how do you know what I feel? Right. Yeah. Which is fact. She can say that for the record. She is able and she has every right to say how she feels, whether it's uh, fact or fiction. But one thing that uh, you you touched on that I want to highlight is the fact that if you were to pull all the other women in the house, I'm sure 100% of them will say they were not bullying her. And so in situations like that to where you you literally just may be oblivious to what's going on, that's where you sit back and reevaluate and learn a situation because 
babe, you was not being bullied whatsoever. If anything, you're the one bullying people. Yeah. No, well, without a doubt. I mean, hey, uh, Chanae, like, how about she just doesn't like you and she's avoiding you? Mm-hmm. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. And there's Mike, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> some people don't like you. It yeah. is what it is. You know, some people don't like me. It is what it is. Like, I get it. You know what I'm saying? And that's okay. Not everyone is going to like you, especially when you berate them and you make fun of their ADHD. Mm-hmm. I, like, I just think it's wild. And she seems very caught up with and obsessed with Elizabeth more so than Clayton. I mean, do you she get really that is. sense uh, as well? Well, like Elizabeth said, she said there's only two things that come out of Sinead's mouth. And one of them is always Elizabeth. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and especially and it's like you can't feel sorry her, sorry for her after the crocodile tears that she showed and then the performance that she put on with Clayton, right? Who, like she who was there that she said she said uh she asked the girl what her exit interview was gonna be. That was Cassidy, I believe, to somebody else. That's hell, that's terrible. Well, she's Cassidy, gone. That, Shanae, that, that part of the drama is out of the house. But now it's not out of the house. Cassidy just literally took all her her bad girl energy <laughs> and dropped it off into Shanae. It's like, what the hell going on over here? Like she's like a super villain now. She absorbed Cassidy's powers. Um, <laughs> Cassidy's powers. But listen, man, like and another thing I wanted to harp on is unfortunately it wasn't done. I mean, I don't know if the women caught on too late as far as what Shanae was doing, but I felt like Elizabeth gave them enough background talking about how she made fun of her ADHD for the other women to kind of realize like, hey, you know what? Maybe Shanae, you know, is is truly a villain and she's just doing things that are not right. Right. But why I feel like why didn't the women team up kind of like what we saw on Katie's season where Carl was called out at the Rose ceremony? I don't know if you all remember that, but. Basically, he was saying that a lot of guys weren't here for the right reasons or something to that effect. And then other guys just stepped up at the rose ceremony. They're like, nobody knows what Carl's talking about. Yeah. Like, And she immediately deduced from that conversation that Carl needed to go. So I just felt like if the women would have bonded together, banded together, and just said, Shanae, nobody's bullying you. Like, what? Like, what's going on here? And then Clayton at least would have had a little bit more clarity because as you saw by his tweets last night, he had no clue what the hell was going on. He he was he was watching two different movies is what he said. Yeah. No, I don't blame him at all. Side note, <laughs> I love the word deduced. It just makes me laugh. <laughs> like, put two and two together. <laughs> no, definitely so. I feel like what you just said, why couldn't they just come together uh, like they did on Katie's season at Carl? I feel bad for Elizabeth because... I see the other side of that, which is why do I even want to have to speak about this woman when I'm trying to get to know Clayton? You know, so that's the flip side of it. That's why, Sinead, there is no way on this green earth that you are being bullied, like because they having to talk about you uh, when Clayton asked them. Right. And I, I just remember Elizabeth's conversation. I'm like, damn, yo, she can't even I don't even know nothing about Elizabeth, really. Yeah, I just know that yeah, she's no. getting bullied. She even mentioned that's it. That's all out I of know. The, she mentioned two out of the three conversations that she's had with Clayton have had to do with Shanae. So it's yeah. like she's getting frustrated. She's like, why do I always, when I talk to you, I have to defend myself? And what's Thanks. crazy is like when you talk to people who say that you're attacking them or bullying them, like was the case, like how are we bullying you, Shanae, or how am I bullying you, Shanae? Didn't what she had to say, what, yeah, she asked her that. And yeah. what she had to say was like, well, you know, when you're in the group, nobody talks to me. But when you leave, other people talk to me. It's like, are we in the fifth grade? 
when like, Elizabeth came at her like multiple times and said, give me an example, that's when Shanae closed up and said, I don't want to talk about it anymore. Exactly. Exactly. Because essentially there's nothing to say. There's nothing to talk about because there is no bullying going on. So I don't know. I feel like the gig is up. Eventually, I don't know, Shanae, I think your actions are going to uh, catch up with you and you're going to be sent home. Uh, she's the only person that's, you know, doing the bullying, I want to say. And I think this leads right into my hot take, which is manipulation. And the fact that it's such a, it's becoming more and more with the world that we're that we're that we are living in right now, how, how sensitive the world is mm -hmm. and how sensitive we know how sensitive vaccination is. Right. Yeah. I think that calling bullshit out, whether you're a, ma a male calling out a woman about their bullshit or a woman calling out a male about their bullshit, gender to gender, human to human, there's nothing wrong with that. Being manipulative, which is what Shanae is doing, is bullshit. And I think that she needs to be called out on it. Like by Clayton. I feel that she, and it's hard for Clayton because obviously he doesn't get to see what the fans see. Correct, so he's, yeah. he's literally going he's off blind. Of, yeah, he's going off of Shanae's words, which is what he's supposed to be doing. She hasn't done anything as of yet to make him feel differently, which is the sucky part for Clayton, you know, and I feel bad for him because he's trying to find his love. And Shanae's over here doing other crap. And yeah. then you, it's just manipulation. And we've seen, there was a TikTok that went viral with people, I'm not going to call a specific gender, but people crying and being all sad to get their partners to feel bad for them. And then immediately when the beat, the beat drops to the song, they get all cheery. And like, yeah, it's like all dead serious, like a sinister smile. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, uh, I saw this that manipulation one. bullshit, bro. Got to stop. No. Yeah. Like, and I, mean, I don't think there's nothing wrong with that. What do you, how do you feel about like you as a male? And then we know you're on this show, right? You're let's say you're in uh Klanos, That's what I'm gonna call him. Uh, shout Klanos. out to Rodney. Yeah. Shout out to Rodney. <laughs> but Klanos, you're in his position as the bachelor, as the lead, someone who doesn't have social media uh, prior to all this craziness that, you know, the beauty of, the blessings that he's been granted with. And you have this lady that you're trying to get to know that's being manip manipulative to the other people in the house. How would you handle that situation? It's tough, man. Like, first off, you know, everybody has a different personality, but Clayton, like you could, he's like super genuine. Correct. He's a sweetheart. Correct. You know what I'm saying? He's a huge heart. He doesn't want to upset any woman. I mean, I think, I mean, Mike, I we talked about this before the pod. Like, there's nothing worse than having to deal with a woman crying in front of you. Like, it totally disarms you as a man. It's like, I... Yeah, that's, that's hard. Like, when I was younger, my mom would start crying. I was like, Mom, I prefer the whooping. Like, don't... Yeah, trying to like, tell you. Like, don't cry, because that kills <laughs> yes. me inside. You know what I'm yes. saying? Like, I'd rather get yes. the belt or whatever the case may be. But the guy's a sweetheart. Then he's hearing one story from one lady, uh, one woman, and then uh, another story from another woman. They're both crying. And he has no perspective. I mean, I guess for me, I go back to the point I made with getting the group consensus is just, I mean, now granted, that's taking away from everybody's time. It's like it now is. you have to deal with his drama and try to figure out who's telling the truth and who's not. So, and he's trying to fall in love. You know what I'm saying? So ain't nobody got time for that. But Nobody got time for that. <laughs> exactly. So, but at the same time, it's like, if you really want to know who's being genuine and who's being manipulative, then... You're going to have to do some investigating. You're going to have to do some digging. And that's what I would do. Maybe like that situation in that rose ceremony is just ask the group as a whole. And then when everybody says, yo, Sinead doesn't know what you're talking about, then there's your answer. 
ask group as a whole, ask pointed questions yeah. uh, like he did before. You know, those pointed, direct questions, not allowing any BS, not allowing gray areas, that helps a lot. And I feel that we're, I just hate that we're living in a, a day and age to where someone could be manipulating another person and then they all they got to do is say, you're hurting my mental health. Like, that is some shit that we do not play with. Yeah, yeah. Like, at all. Like, I have too many friends and too many family members that are going through that or that have taken their life because of true mental health. And for you to say that. It's insulting. <laughs> it's extremely insulting, like you said earlier. And I just love that you said that because that's exactly what it is. And so. And I mean, to see, I mean, just to, to finish off that point, I mean, you saw the manipulation after the fact in the in the moment interview where she was yes. like, I put on like she was basically applauding her own performance yes. with Clayton when she was crying in front of him. So it's like literally performance. Yeah. And I mean, going back to the whole Cassidy situation, like you mentioned, ask questions like I thought he played that perfectly. He did. She straight up. He, he straight up asked her certain questions. She said she had, you know, nobody back home whatsoever. And then he asked some more specific questions and she's like, well, yeah, I was FaceTiming with somebody. It's like, that's it. You're gone. You're gone. Yeah. Peace. You know what I'm saying? Like you literally just threw all the trust out the window. You lied. You're going home. So right. maybe that's what needed to happen with Shanae as well. That's what I hope happens on this next episode. And I side note, I love when the lead sends somebody home off the quickness. Like no BS. I'm here. I'm here to find love. I'm not dealing with your ass no more. And then side note, I actually understood what Shanae was coming from when she was saying, everyone here is so nice. Like, I didn't think that that aspect of what she did was wrong for the record. I thought that it was like, I mean, sh she has a, a fair point, which is we don't all have to be friends with each other. Yeah, uh, yeah. She's here to get Clayton. Well, she, I, I, I don't, I, I'm gonna deduce that statement. <laughs> uh, she's yeah. here to, she says she's here to get Clayton. And so I, I thought that that was nothing wrong with, but where the manipulation comes from is that performance that she was putting on, the mental health, calling mental health, uh, that she's having mental health issues. And if she truly is, then she needs to uh, seek therapy and she needs to seek counsel and help. There's nothing wrong with it. I've seen, I've sought it myself and continue to uh, from time to time, right? And so I just think that manipulation needs to be called out. And I feel that the surround the fan base should understand that this isn't because this is a man calling out a woman this isn't a woman calling out a man this is just one human being to another human being calling someone out on their bullshit absolutely couldn't agree with you more it needs it to just, happen it, it does like because i mean it's just so annoying i really i don't know nothing about elizabeth i don't yeah I mean, she see uh, she seems sweet from what we've seen of her, but like we we talked about, half the time she's defending herself, you know. And I think she reached her limit this last episode where she was like, like I don't think I saw her cry prior to that, and now she just literally broke down in front of Clayton because it's like, how am I going to get to know you if all we're doing is talking about Shanae? I, and that, I that, that, that has so to be much, frustrating. Bro. Like I yeah. never experienced yeah. that, you know what I'm saying? Because I made sure that I didn't talk about anybody else. Like I tried to stay out of the drama as much as possible, but. Yeah, and I like I agree with what you said. Like I agree when Shanae was like, "Okay, we don't all have to be boosting each other and rah rah rah." Everybody's yeah. you know kumbaya. Like I, I don't think it has to be like that either. But at the same time, I think there is a way, a more stealthy way that you can go about it, where it's like you're dedicating yourself to the lead, you're maintaining you know 
friendships with people in the house, but at the same time, your eye is always on what you came there to do, and that's to see if you could fall in love with this person. You know what I'm saying? I completely agree with you there. I think that, you know, we can talk about it too. We're blue in the face, but I want to hear from the horse's mouth, a.k.a. Klaynos, a.k.a. Clayton. Klaynos. Let's do it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, Clayton. What's going on, my man? How you doing? How you feeling? Well, I got a whole rush of emotions, a lot of feelings, a lot going on in my head. So I'm glad you guys will be the uh, soundboard for the next hour. I don't know if you know what you're about to sign up for, but we're we're gonna bring we're gonna bring it today. I got plenty on my mind, so I'm uh-oh. excited to be here. Uh oh. Well, we are excited that you're here. You know, here on Talking Now, homie, this is like a safe space, bro. People have called this a therapy session. People have called this a session where they can, you know, throw their sounding board off of. And so it's just amazing to have you. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to be here, guys. And I may call you Clay Notes because it's, I was told from a birdie. <laughs> it's catchy. That's it's what, catchy. That, it's catchy. I've been calling you Clay Notes for a while now because I think it's pretty dope. That's what they called you when you were on Michelle's season. Is that correct? On on Michelle's season, yeah. It was hilarious because uh, when I – basically, in a, in a nutshell, I started off, I came in. I was pretty quiet, reserved, just reading the room, paying attention to my surroundings. And then they said that as I started getting group date roses, I got a group date rose. And then I got, um, you know, as I just, I started to get these roses here and there. And and they said with every rose, I was, I was building like my, I I was like Thanos. It was like, I was getting those, (laughs) those infinity stones. So with each rose, I got stronger. And so before I got the one-on-one, they were like, he's getting too strong. If he comes back with the rose, like it's over, (laughs) the man's going to snap his fingers. We're not going to stop him. And, uh, and uh, whoever took out Thanos, um, Michelle played that character. She put me out. So they she saved <laughs> for me snapping my fingers. But that's where it came from. They were playing off of Thanos, the the Marvel supervillain. So. Oh, gosh, gosh. Well, that, that leads me right into my first question, man. You have been like thrown and thrust into this brand new world. I'm sure you're dealing with a lot of emotions left and right, up and down. And so I'm just wondering, how has this culture shock been for you? It's been every much a, a bit of a shock. Yeah, I've I to me, I don't know exactly what I was expecting. I think I came into all this being like it's all going to be brand new. So no matter what I do, it'll all be a first to me. I didn't really have any prior knowledge. And that was that's something that I look back at and I wonder, uh, you know, should I have maybe watched these episodes beforehand or gotten an idea of what it was I was going to get into? And I'll never really have the answer to that because I decided to go into it being my authentic self. I didn't want to have any um, any other outside influence affecting me as I went into this journey. But uh, yeah, because of that, it's everything has just hit me one one you know one thing after the next. And uh, now the hardest part is watching it back. Uh, I thought the hardest part would be being on the show, but now yeah. it's watching it back with this the audience that sees a glimpse of what all had occurred. Uh, they're kind of seeing the, the highlights or lowlights, however you want to uh, explain it or, or talk, you know, when you're, when you're describing what you're seeing on TV, but like, that's again, 1% of what was 
what was occurring. And that's where it's like when people start to make those, uh, you know, they, they look at this and they start to make assumptions and inferences based off of what they're seeing. Uh, you want, you wish that somebody could have seen it all. Right. But we can't, yeah. like, there's only so much time in an episode. So uh, I've spent a lot of my time recently trying to answer people's questions, trying to give people a sense of what will happen. But I realize that I'm just spinning my wheels. Sometimes there's not nothing I can do between the things that I want to say, but can't say and the things that, uh, you know, haven't happened yet. And I just have to wait for them to you know, carry, uh, you know, f- work their way through. Uh, it's just, it's a lot. Yeah. To be patient. I think patience is a virtue and that's something that I've realized. Patience is a virtue. Yes. I need, I need it myself. Yeah. Clayton, Clayton, for the record, have, did you, I'm not sure if I understood this correctly. You had never seen any episode of The Bachelor prior to the to you going on, or did you have an I, idea? I knew I knew the show. I, I had watched I think four episodes all the way through like six years ago. Okay. Um, back when I was in a prior relationship, I watched yeah, like I think four episodes <laughs> on those lines with, with your ex, right? It's always ex it's always with it. a woman like makes you watch it, right? <laughs> Yeah, but I like, like I truthfully thought it was entertaining. I just uh, yeah. for what it was, I'm like, hey, like, we'll sit down and and it was it was I was I cracked up at the guys on the show. I'm like, this is ridiculous. Uh, I could never do this. This is wild. These guys are <laughs> these guys are nutty. And, and then here I am. But uh, yeah, I yeah, I'd seen it before. I knew what it was. My mom's major fan growing up. She always had it on the TV. Um, you know, I might have seen like bits and pieces here or there, but I never fully sat down and watched an episode outside of maybe four times through. So when you t- when you take in these episodes now, like for the shows that you've been on, are you the type that watches it by yourself? Are you surrounded by friends, family, or you just want to take it in by yourself? How how does it work? Uh, yeah, I think for me, uh, well, like I watched this last episode with my brother, and uh, you know he's one of my best friends. So to have him watch it, uh, he knows who I am and my who, what my character is. And so uh, even if there's an episode where it's kind of like, hey, why did you make this? Uh, decision or what was your thought behind it uh, It is nice to have him there with me because uh, I can have these honest discussions with him and I know that he's he knows me for who I am so it makes it a lot easier to watch the show and then I get a good gauge of like here's someone who's you know, a loved one that's watching it are they being convinced by what they're seeing as far as them questioning who I am and as long as they're not then I'm happy there's those episodes where uh, I think the second episode my youngest brother which he he now told me he was joking but he told me that he was like, he texted me. He's like, hey, man, you've been, you've been kissing a lot of girls in this, this last episode. Like, are you even saying anything to get to know them? Yeah. Like, why are you not actually having this conversation? And that's where it hit me because I'm like, this is a loved one who's questioning my character. Now I'm starting to have issues with it. Like, now it's affecting me. Uh, but again, they can't show all the conversations as, as you guys will find out by then. This and probably if already, I haven't already seen, noticed it. I talk a lot. I really do. I talk a ton. But on the show, <laughs> They're going to show what's, you know, what's what's the most important in those two hours. No, definitely. Yeah, so I was agreed. once told that it takes like it's like 96 hours of filming for roughly a two hour show. And so therefore, wow. everyone, lis- everyone listening and the viewers, you're not going to be able to see every little thing. So yeah. for for you and I mean, hearing that come from like a loved one, your brother, who obviously means has no malice within that over these last two seasons, what? You know, being on Michelle's season, going to become The Bachelor without even watching the time that you have with Michelle. Talk to me. I want to get a little bit deeper when it comes to, like, seeing what the fans are saying. How How is that affecting you and how? what are you doing that is helping you get through that? Uh, talking to uh, 
really everybody that I can that is near and dear to me. That's the biggest thing because it's it's actually fascinating in a way. Uh, I'm watching the episodes myself and I'm seeing the way that they're put together and I see the way that I respond and I start to question, is that reality? Like, is that how I actually reacted in that environment? And I've actually talked to some of the producers and I said, like, is that all I said? Is that really all I said when that played out? Because I remember, thought I remembered it a different way. I would have imagined that I would have responded a different way. But again, when you're watching it back, you, and I mean, not a ton of time has transpired since like I was there filming it myself it's so much happened that it's kind of hard to recount everything a hundred percent so i start to watch it myself along with everybody else and i and i and i question my own character i'm like what did i maybe maybe that was how it was maybe i thought i I responded differently but i didn't and so that's where i'm really leaning heavily on people that i that know me to say no it doesn't seem like that would be uh in your personality or your character to react that way Uh, or maybe the moment got too big but with the fans right now watching it uh, yeah, I mean, I'm already hypercritical of myself as is. And when I start seeing all these comments, uh, they pile on and, and it's just a week to week that gets, it gets, it's just more and more and more. And you realize you can't keep up with it, but you start to wonder, well, if I see 50 comments saying this, is it true? And that's as a human, you want to believe, well, it's not, no, what are the people close to me saying? But when you see 50 to 100 comments saying the same thing, you go, well, maybe I am boring or whatever. Yeah, the comment like, is. I was gonna ask you, like, can you give like a specific example? I know it's this is tough. Like, as far yeah. as you know, those fifty to hundred comments that are all saying the same thing. Like, what is it that bothers you the most as far as what people are commenting? Yeah, uh, something that I, I harped about, uh, or didn't harp about it, but I brought it up to Michelle on her season uh, was that I struggled with feeling like I was good enough, and uh, I always just felt like I had to be doing more. And so that's what I was doing in my life. I was always trying to one up myself. Really, no one was putting that pressure on me other than myself. Yep. Uh, when I got the call, you know, to go to be the next Bachelor, that was a moment where I felt pretty validated as far as well, you must be doing something right. Somebody saw some potential in you. So you must like, you need to take this Clayton and like bring and have hold this confidence and, and use that and quit questioning if you feel like you're not good enough. But then it, this target got placed on my back and it's like, why is he the bachelor? And then it became like just picking apart for every single thing. I heard a podcast. I just, well, I listened to this morning and you know, there were some nice things said about me, but it was also like, there was the comment, he's just a very average guy. And I remember just hearing that and thinking like, am I ever going to be good enough in the eyes of the fans? Like, is there any way that you can be ever be good enough? And I've heard rumors and such, and I want to actually reach out to some former uh, bachelors uh, and and people that have had the prior experience just to hear like, hey, did you go through the same thing? Did you experience this constant hate? Did you feel like you could never measure up to what America wants? Because I don't know what they want. I mean, it's like, what do you want? Some perfect human being? I'm not that. I knew that. But will I ever be good enough in the eyes of the majority of the bachelor fan base? Clayton, uh I've found so far in my life that you will, we will never be good enough for every single person. But I've also found that when you are genuinely being authentic to yourself, uh, and one thing that we can all say, right, whether a person doesn't know what the hell you're talking about, they know your heart. They know if you're coming across genuine yeah. or not. And so I think that's a, a beautiful place to stem off of. But you mentioned something right there that I want to dig a little bit deeper in. You said that you don't know if you were ever good enough. Can we just start from the beginning, Clayton? And like, can you tell yeah. us a little about 
you know, what growing up was like for you? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, uh, a lot of that does stem from my childhood and, and, uh, you know, I was, I want to, I would probably start back in like the seventh grade, uh, uh, that, that part of my life, I was a complete 180 as far as who I was. I was very negative. Uh, everything I looked at was, uh, from, from a pretty pessimistic perspective. I, uh, wasn't, I was popular by association with some of my friends, but ultimately I would go to parties. I just, and I just didn't really fit in. I was there, but not like people weren't seeking me out to have conversations with me. And part of that was myself. I just didn't really have the social skills. Uh, I was awkward. Uh, I was bullied a lot because again, like I didn't get big until college. So I was bullied freshman year, high school, sophomore high school. Uh, and a lot of this was because, yeah, I was just small. I was a smaller kid. Uh, and I also, from not feeling good enough, I had a brother, you know, my middle, middle brother, uh, stud athlete. He was starting varsity as a fr uh, freshman on Damn. football. And I was, I was still on JV as a junior. So he was on yeah. varsity starting while I was on JV as a junior. And, uh, I always felt like I lived in a shadow growing up. I never, I, I just felt like I sh should be being the, I should be the, I'm the big brother. I should be the one that's like leading the pack. So you're the and, oldest. Yeah. I'm the oldest. Yeah. And I always felt like I had to set example for my brothers that I had to be the best version of myself that I could be so that they would look up to me. Like I wanted them to look up to me. And, and if I felt like I wasn't living up to those expectations then I was letting them down, even though they never said that they never voiced it by any means, but uh, it was always this constant competition in my house that I placed on my own shoulders to be better because yeah, I wanted to, I saw the way my parents looked at my brother. I mean, they're very proud of him. I'm very proud of him now uh, and what he accomplished. But when I was that age, uh, you know, that excitement that they had towards him for all of his accomplishments, I didn't have those same accomplishments. So I wasn't getting that attention. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think that's where it all stemmed from is I felt like, okay, now I have to one up him. And I, and again, like, I love my brother, but like, he is part of the reason why I've always had that one up mentality because I've always competed against him. And I've always tried to show like, I can be great. It's just, I have to be able to choose that confidence to do so. Clayton, I like that you this... said choose. I, I, I'm sorry, Brian. I just wanted right. to highlight that. Clayton, you just said something that was powerful right there. You said, Brian, I'm going I'm to call you out on the, on the gyms that you're dropping because I need you to, you know, listen to yourself because you're speaking, you have the knowledge. You just said you had to choose confidence in those moments. Yeah, that actually, uh, I would give full credit to my, uh, lifting coach in college, because that was a big thing that he emphasized. Uh, coach Ivy at Mizzou talked about, yeah, he talked out, uh, I talked about choosing confidence and I thought it was kind of BS at first, like anybody, other freshmen coming in in college, you're like, okay, choose confidence. It's a choice. Okay, whatever. I'll just choose it one day. But you realize that it's so easy to say it. It's so hard to actually do. But the second that the second that you get to that point in your life where you're like, no, I am. I can be that person and nobody can tell me otherwise. Uh, you know, that's what I'm chasing for. And I've found myself there at times. Uh, but you also, yeah, I mean, there's most moments where you get there. And when you do that, you're in a dangerous spot in a good way. Cause we, at that point, you're a good danger. So like now I'm, I'm confident. Like now you can't shake me, no matter what you say. Uh, and I've been there and I've had those moments and it feels really good, but you want to be able to live in that if you can. And, and I think in this realm that I'm in right now, it's a foreign, it's a foreign environment. This is not a place uh, that I'm used to being in as far as having my dating life. 
cast out for everyone to see. So I'm not a professional when it comes to dating on national television. No one is. And because, and because of that, though, that's that's where it's like the confidence is wavering because I don't have that prior experience to lean back on and be like, no, I, I am, you know, I've had been, been through this before. I know how to handle this and I know I can get through it. Absolutely. Um, I was going to ask, uh, going back to that whole dynamic where it, it's, was that battle with, you know, you competing with your brother and seeking adulation from your parents? Was that like an internal battle or were you able to express how you were feeling in real time with your family? Because I know you mentioned on the sh- on the show uh, when it aired, you talking about, you know, you and your siblings and you guys kind of didn't talk about being vulnerable and things like that. Were you able to express those inner feelings that you just expressed as far as, you know, the whole competition with your brother? Were you able to talk about that with your family? I didn't have that conversation with them until I got back from college. And at that point, Mm -hmm. I then, you know, was on the football team at Mizzou making some good progress. And I was able to then have that discussion uh, in a way where I said, you know, this was something that really drove me. And it was more a conversation of like, hey, I'm really appreciative of you, Nate, for being in my life. And you didn't realize it, but I was striving to beat you every day. And because when we were younger, we didn't talk about that. That wasn't, I mean, it was a, it was a household, a household of three, three boys. No, you know, no daughters and, and or, you know, sisters. So with that, uh, we didn't talk about our emotions a whole lot. It was very physical. And a lot of times the way I expressed that, uh, that frustration was through anger. Uh, I took it out of my brother. We would uh, get in physical altercations. He used to just kick my ass all the time because he was way bigger than me uh, when I was younger. But yeah, that's the way I, t- I wasn't mature enough to have those discussions when I was that age. So I just took it out on him through frustrations with you know saying hurtful things to him or being physical at points. Uh, we weren't. We never had that conversation outside of it, though. I'm glad that gotcha. you guys are you know, having those type of conversations now, because like, and I'm gonna quote Brene Brown, vulnerability builds bridges. And how is, with that being said, how is your relationship with your brothers now? Uh, we're best friends. Uh, I, yeah, I just was talking to him right before I hopped on here with you guys. And uh, I couldn't be any closer with anybody else than I am with those two, because they know everything about you know, my inner workings, they know all of my feelings. I shoot, I live with them right now. So I tell him everything that I'm thinking. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so they're my biggest support system. And that, that comes over time with, as you, yeah, as you grow together and you're always around each other and you listen, you realize that, you know, I want to be there for this person. And that's what's, pu- that's what's pu- pushing me through all this right now is to have that strong support system around me that I can always reach out to. You know, not everyone has that strong uh, support system. So I'm I'm happy that you do have that. Yes. And earlier you had mentioned, uh, you know, dating in a public eye like you are, you know, you don't have that confidence. Right. And I'm a firm believer that competence builds and equals confidence. And so therefore, yeah. no one is ever in that position prior to going on The Bachelorette or The Bachelorette. And so uh, I just commend you for being so honest and open about that. Uh, but back to your, you know, playing football. Uh, and your little brother being bigger than you, which is hard to believe because you're like a can, giant. Can, can I interject real quick? Like, Clay, where was this growth spurt? Because yeah. <laughs> you were a big dude. Like, is your brother still that much bigger than you? Or did no, something big. happen along I mean, the way? He's big. He's lost some weight now from his playing days. But he was like six two and a half two. I think he told me he hit 250 in college. So he was. he's not a small dude. Now he's like 220. But uh, in – in high school, yeah, I freshman year of college, I, or sorry, freshman year of high school, I was, I think, 100 and 
30 pounds, maybe. Wow, uh, okay. I, I graduated high school. I remember at 195 pounds. So I, I end up, I end up having a huge growth spurt my junior year of about four inches. And then I think I had another four inches, like my senior year. I, I it was within a two year span. I grew about eight inches, but before that I was, yeah, I was really small. And then I finally got to the height I am today, but I was still about 195 pounds once I graduated from high school. So uh, then college came around and they fed me everything inside. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what it changed. So no. speaking of your football career at, at Mizzou, like when did you know, when was like the specific moment where you're like, okay, I could do this professionally. Mm-hmm. Like, what was that moment? Like, Oh, uh, I didn't believe that until I, Going into my senior year, I started having we'd have scouts show up from the NFL for practices, and I remember my, uh, yeah, my offensive line coach uh, slash tight end coach pulled me aside and told me, Clayton, uh, you know these these teams are here for you today, so uh, you know just just practice, you know, no pressure. Uh, hopefully that doesn't bug you that I just told you that, but you know you have people <laughs> looking at you, you're doing a good job, and just uh, continue to do what you're doing. So that's when I started to realize that I was on someone's radar. Uh, but still it was pretty quiet all throughout my senior year, uh, until, uh, we did my pro day and I had some pretty decent numbers and I had a, uh, agent come up or one of the, uh, scouts come up to me and say, Hey, do you have an agent? I didn't even have an agent. And he was like, well, I could, you know, if you want, if you get one, like, we'd love to talk to you. And then I started having some teams reach out, but yeah, it was, I, I didn't know if I could get to that point until I started seeing people show up. Oh, definitely so. Gotcha. And uh, you play for the Seahawks, right? Yeah, I tell everyone I had a cup of coffee with them because I was in and out like a bank robbery. <laughs> I was, hey. I was, I was there and I was gone. God, just I, I showed up and then all of a sudden, just he's he's out. But uh, yeah, not eight, many eight people weeks. could do that. Eight weeks. Not many people could yeah. do that. Um, no, I was forever appreciative of that. It was a hell of an experience. It was crazy. I mean, one of the most stressful environments I've been in. Although I think this one takes the cake now, but uh, it. Yeah, there was it was a lot of, that I learned and it was uh, high performance. And and yeah, I mean, something that obviously no one can take away from me. But uh, yeah, I was a lot of respect for those guys that do that. It's truly very competitive. What would uh, you say was your favorite memory from being with the Seahawks? Uh, you know, I had a fun moment. Uh, I'm sure you guys have probably heard rumblings. And again, I, I keep bringing this up and then I know people are going to like, well, you should freestyle rap. I did this whole <laughs> thing. It all started from like seventh grade and then I c- carried it in. Uh, to high school, college, and then they found out in the NFL, they said, you do have a, a special talent. And I told them. Uh, so basically, I ended up freestyle rapping like five times for the team. And I ended up having Coach Carroll pull me up one day uh, for a team meeting. And he's like, Clayton, we need some juice. And threw me <laughs> threw me the mic. And uh, and I, I I put it out there. I mean, I, I laid it down. I felt pretty good. I kind of blacked out mentally. But uh, afterwards, I was getting daffed up. So I, I felt that I did pretty good. And uh and then afterwards, uh, yeah, Russell came up to me in the, the hot tub and he was like, squeak, squeak like a mouse. He's like, I love it, man. I love it. So like, that was like my <laughs> final line. I'm not going to say what I said before that because it was not PG, but. Uh, so wait, yeah. I got, I got to ask the, the guys on the Bassarette called you Klanos. Did you have some type of a stage rap nickname on the Seahawks? Did they name you anything? Uh, no, I mean, I just I had the nickname from uh, middle school, Clado. That was my Clado. Clado. Okay. Yeah. Clado. Yeah. I like so it. Uh, okay. that I just told them that and they thought it was hilarious. And I freestyle rapped against a uh, couple different guys. Um, 
Uh, I think my, was it Michael Bennett, I think was the other one. He brought, he came in one day. He was like, Hey, come here, rookie. We're going to freestyle. And, uh, oh, he yeah, challenged was, you. He did. He, you out. He, he, I think he, I think he beat me too. It was in front of the entire defense, but, uh, it was, it was fun. You know, it was just something goofy that, uh, I, I was able to do kind of decent, uh, decently. So it was, yeah, it was a fun time, but that was, uh, I mean, there was so many other th- great things about that experience that were memorable, but I think that was kind of the one thing that just was fun for me to do while I was there. That's pretty dope, man. Nice. You, uh, you mentioned, you know, wanted to reach out to some of the previous bachelors, which I'm sure, uh, y'all have text messages or whatever going on but one of the bachelors uh previously that i know um who is a huge fan of the seahawks is my homie peter weber so he might be somebody okay. that you know you want to reach out to i'm sure y'all will like hit it off on the seahawks and then being both being bachelors and all that good stuff so you know definitely reach yeah. out to him yeah i think uh the biggest thing for me early on was i was like i don't want to burden anybody i don't want anyone to take i don't want to take up time calling someone just like have them uh talk me through this i i I've, kind of try to do it myself at first. I'm like, you can handle this, but, uh, you know, sometimes these moments become too big for uh, really any one individual. And it's great at that point then to talk to people that have had experience. So I'm starting to realize that. And that's why I'm starting to send out some DMS and say, you know, and be like, Hey, I'd love to talk with you. Uh, cause it just probably will help quell a lot of the, uh, you know, concerns that I have right now, if I know someone else had been through it beforehand. Sure. And you know. s- speaking of another bachelor, um, we had on last week Jesse Palmer, host of the show. How big of an influence has he been on your journey? Because, I mean, it seems like you had this big brother, little brother relationship on the show, and he was just there yeah. for you at all times. Like, can you talk about how special that relationship is? Yeah, honestly, it was the best. Uh, as far as for me, uh, if I had to, like, pick someone uh, before no- meeting him, like as far as who I feel would be able to uh, make me feel as comfortable as possible in the environment that I was in, it was him uh, to a T because uh, I really resonate with people that have prior experience uh, and, and you know, the uh, any line of whatever I'm talking about, if I'm talking about a job or profession, it's like, I like to know that I'm talking to an expert um, and or just someone that has experience. And that's where like Jesse was a prior bachelor that really helped. Also, he had the whole football background. So he was obviously more successful than I was on the football field, but he went through college, at, you know, playing at a D1 school, went to the NFL. And so we had a lot of commonalities that I could just instantly trust him knowing his character because, again, I know athletes are their own breed as far as the way they speak, the way they think. And I knew very quickly through a couple of conversations in that I was like, we're, him and I are pretty much on the same playing field as far as how we view uh, a lot of uh, different things in life. So I knew that at that point I was going to be able to open up to him early on and feel confident that he was giving me sound advice. Clayton, let's be honest, Amen. man. I think that the reason you and Jesse hit it off so good is because <laughs> y'all look like freaking twins, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I've seen all the pictures and I it's hilarious. In fact, uh, I think when we were at the Rose Bowl parade, uh, I joked with him because a picture came out of us in front of the mansion and we had identical poses. We did not game plan it. We had our right hand resting on like our left wrist and same power poses. And I, and I was just like, dude, like we're not helping our cause right now. We were like, we look like carbon copies. <laughs> and, uh, the one thing that he loves is, uh, he loves being called my dad. Like you look like you could be his dad. <laughs> we were out a few times in person. I've heard people say that you look like you could be his dad. And I can just tell he winces at that. He's like, Oh, come on. Am I that old? I'm like, <laughs> 
I was like, hey, man, like it's, I, I think it's a compliment for me. He's, but got, I, the gray, <laughs> he's got the gray showing already. Compliment. I could see it. Yeah, he's got the touch of gray a little bit, but that's Silver Fox. I'm like, hey, man, come on, to be, you know, own it for what it is. And uh, I love giving him trouble. I don't know if you guys, if you see, you, take any, take a look at any one of my, any one of my photos next time. That dude is in their comment section right away, t- just toasting me. Uh, I made one comment to him one day that I said, if you want to go down that path, I said, I'll come after you for every one of your posts. Well, I didn't think he was actually going to do it, but he's been coming after me for every single post with a joke. He's like a big brother. He really is. And that's what's so funny is that we have that we can have that back and forth. But there's so much respect there. That's awesome, man. man. It's great to have somebody like that in your corner. Um, So let's talk the transition from football to the real world. Um, You've actually had a huge career change after football. Yeah. You know, why, why did you do that? And how did you feel stepping into the unknown? Were you scared? Yeah, you know, I always had a passion uh, for healthcare to be in, in, in a field uh, of that nature. I wanted to be able to impact others and make a difference. Uh, I went to school. Uh, I got a health sciences degree, but I thought about being a physician's assistant. Uh, there was a point where I thought I wanted to be a doctor, but I realized that I'm like, you know, that's a lot of schooling. I kind of want to get out there right now in the real world and make an impact now. And that's where medical sales came in. I, I realized I could be in that environment, but also use my performative nature and competitive nature to go into a sales environment and let that be uh, something that kind of plays into my football background, plays into my, um, you know, my love for, uh, you know, love for the healthcare field. And so I f- found my way in there one way or another. Uh, and yeah, I went down that path and it was, exciting because again i was 23 years old in the medical uh sales field and knew that it was a really great opportunity knew that i kind of got my foot in the door because of uh, athletics Mm -hmm. and so i knew that it was going to be an uphill battle it was going to be very challenging but that i was going to be able to learn so much if i just kind of put my head down and grinded it out and that's what i did for the last you know five and a half years of my life Uh, just just kind of try to be a sponge and take in as much as i could uh, because it's, it's that's its own beast. Medical sales is, yes. is it's very challenging. Yeah, to be in those ORs, patient on the table. Uh, all of a sudden, something goes awry, and you have to have you know a backup plan right outside the door, and you're talking through it with that surgeon as far as uh, the best next steps and how your product is going to uh, you know, work best for that patient's anatomy. It's it's high yeah high pressure when someone's under anesthesia and you're and you're having these conversations. So. Uh, I think, yeah, it was a fun, but it was fun. It gave me yeah. that adrenaline rush to be in the OR and it challenged me. I'm I think curious. That's pretty cool. I'm sorry, Brian. No, I was just, gonna, I, just one quick question before you go, Mike. Uh, what kind of medical equipment were you selling? I'm just oh, curious as like a healthcare provider. Yeah, I was in uh, ortho joint and trauma. So okay. I sold hip and knee prosthesis uh, as well oh, as. Wow. Okay. Uh, uh, well, we had other, uh, our portfolio was very large, but I focused on hip and knee. And then also I sold the old trauma line. So just for any broken bones, I had plates and screws and nails and all that good stuff. Interesting. Okay. I was going to Go ask ahead, that Mike, same exact question. No, I was going to ask the same exact question. Yeah. Uh, well, better coming from you as a doctor yourself. Uh, I think that Clayton being an ex pro athlete goes perfectly in line uh, with doing medical sales. I mean, because of the competition, because of all the things that you need to know. Uh, so I, I mean, kudos to you on that. But man, I have to want to talk about yesterday's episode or Monday's episode. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In my favorite date, um, in the group circle of truth date, shall we call mm-hmm. it, you know, a lot That's of women powerful. were opening up about their struggles with weight issues growing up. Uh, and 
never in my personal life have I ever heard a male speak about their issues, except for my very best friend in the world who opened up my eyes so much, right? Because I've been mm -hmm. naturally like a skinnier guy. And yeah. I just wanted, I literally paused it and started clapping for you, bro, when I was watching it back. And, you know, but not a lot of guys open up on their struggles of dealing with body image or body dysmorphia. And so again, yeah. just kudos to you. Um, and then we see you taking your shirt off multiple times throughout the day, you know? Uh, can you talk yeah. a little bit more about your experience with body image struggles? Yeah, uh, you know, one day, I mean, it's just, I, I don't, I think it all started in around seventh grade again. It seemed like a really pivotal year for me uh, yeah. where it was, uh, it just unfortunately was a year that I was not happy with who I was. Uh, I, I had friends that would just make little comments uh, as far as, I'll never forget. It's like the little, sometimes it's the dumbest little thing, thing, like things that you remember. I remember there was one time where uh, I was over at a friend's house and it was me, two other guys and uh, a couple girls. And I remember, of course, like seventh graders being stupid seventh graders. Like somehow we took our shirts off trying to impress them being stupid. And I remember they're like, they, they, they're like telling the guys to flex and they told me to flex. And like, I flexed my abs. They're like, no, flex your abs. And like, I deflect them. Like, no, flex them for real. Like, are you flexing? And then everyone just started laughing. And that was like, it's little things like that, that I just started to realize. And I had friends tell me like, you have a really weird body. You work out so much, but like, you don't look like you work out. You have like, just, you look kind of like fat. And I started getting these like one-off comments time and time again. And then I would see pictures with my friends and I'm like, man, I work out two hours a day and they work out, you know, 30 minutes a day or whatever, four days a week. I work out seven days a week. And yet like, they look like the ones that are in phenomenal shape. Well, I didn't know the importance at the time about diet and diets like the majority of looking good is it's like 90% of the equation. If you overeat, doesn't matter how much muscle you have, you're going to have that fat layer over you. So I didn't know the importance of diet at that point, but because of that, I kept working out harder and harder and harder, and it was never enough. And I was never happy with how I looked in the mirror. And then social media compound on top of that, started seeing pictures of all these people that I wish I looked like. And every day I'd wake up in the mirror and I'd, I'd wake up and I'd look in the mirror and I just hated the way I looked. And like that set the precedent for the rest of the day. I was like, the rest of the day, I'm in a bad mood now because I already am starting off looking in the mirror saying, you look terrible. Um, you just, how can you, uh, you know, even want to take your shirt off? You, you shouldn't, like you shouldn't, you're just going to be made fun of. And I carried into college and my teammates called me bad body act. Like, I just, I don't know if I just, I must've said something because people would constantly come after me for it. Uh, and laugh about it. And I'd laugh too, but, and, and deep down, I mean, it hurt me. It did. Like I, I hated it, but I saw it. And I was like, why can't I get the body that I want? Why am I not able to get to that point? To all of our listeners, thank you for tuning into today's episode. Remember this was part one of a part two series. So make sure you tune in next week for our second half of the conversation with Bachelor Clayton. And remember, guys, we're casting for The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, so make sure to head to bachelornation.com forward slash apply. Again, that's bachelornation.com forward slash apply. You never know. You could find the love of your life. That's facts. You know, we always love to hear your opinions, your stories, and your insights, so please don't forget to like, comment, follow. Message us on social at Talking Out B as in Bachelor and as a nation on IG. Again, that's Talking Out B N. And as always, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and listen to us on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. And baby, I ain't gonna tell you no more. Don't DM me until you hit that subscribe. We love y'all.